Hey, Scott, have you seen Alice? I can't find her anywhere. The cleaning lady? Yeah. Yeah, I let her go. Like, Well, I got one of these instead. <sighs> okay, first, stay off the Home Shopping Network. And second, is I that what I think it, it is? Yeah, it sure is. Ten easy payments of nine ninety nine, and you got yourself a gelatinous cube. This will keep the dojo squeaky clean. Uh, we're talking gelatinous cubes this week on the Dungeon Masters Dojo. I think it ate Lou. Support the Dungeon Masters Dojo by heading over to Apple Podcasts and Podchaser and leave a review. Take the time to leave a comment as well. This helps make us more searchable to those listeners interested in content such as ours. But more importantly, we want to know how we are doing and what topics you would like to hear about. Another way you can support the DMD is with a small monthly donation so we can continue to deliver quality content to you, our listeners. This also helps us to upgrade and replace equipment. Head over to Anchor to the Dungeon Masters Dojo page and click the support button. And now, onto this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters, as well as experienced and new players alike. We hope to bring you the tools needed to not only be a great GM, but to help you develop as a player. I'm your host, Louis Aponte. Our stars of the show are Scott Labby and Bill Robotile. Let's enter the dojo and see what both Bill and Scott have in store for us today. Altoids, I have those in the car. Um, you're close. Yeah. <laughs> Athcoids. Athcoids. Oh. Yeah, you don't want to eat these. <laughs> Put these yeah. in your mouth. It's good. Also, glad to see you yeah, eating. Just, yes. <laughs> what a relief. I went out to the car. You said Altoids, so I ran out. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. So I guess we're talking Athcoids. The gelatinous cube has more the scientific name of it. Yes. The uh, uh, I don't know where the term Athcoid came uh, from, but uh, gelatinous cube, yeah, that's the uh, that's the common name. The common name for a uh, family the, of uh, of jelly like uh, critters. Yeah. So why don't you guys just take us on a little introduction to these things? This is uh, this will take you all the way back to the 1960s, where uh, all of us were so used to having uh, what was it fruit cocktails suspended in their Jello molds, right? <laughs> I thought you said, I thought you were going to say hair. Hair. <laughs> we're all used to having hair. Hair. Well, that too. I still have mine. Yes. Yeah, we know. Yeah. I, Whatever. I, I, yes. I think there's glue involved. That's all right. It's a wig. <laughs> it's the spray on stuff from the can. <laughs> you want to, uh, you want, yeah, you want to start us off on this? Sure. I will. So, from the very beginnings of Dungeons and Dragons, as far back as 1974, in the Monsters Manual and Treasure Book of the original box set, the gelatinous cube has been with us. Later, we see the gelatinous cube appear in the Greyhawk supplement in 1975, the Dungeons & Dragons basic sets from 1977, 81, and 83. It also makes its reappearance in the Dungeons & Dragons Rules Cyclopedia in 1991. The gelatinous cube makes its appearance in the first edition of Advanced Dungeons & Dragons in the Monster Manual 1977, the second edition, Monstrous Compendium, Volume 1, in 1989, the Monstrous Manual in 1993, 3rd edition, 4th edition, and now 5th edition. 
Kind of like uh, herpes. It just keeps flaring up, huh? Yeah. <laughs> just, Gelatinous just, cubes. Just, oh, you can't get away from them. That's, oh, what? What, you're walking a little funny. Yeah, I got a case of gelatinous yeah, cube. I got the gelatinous <laughs> cube going on there. You better get some uh, antibiotics. Yeah, a, yes, a topical cream for that. So this uh, this was an original creation of Gary Gygax, and unlike many of the other monsters in D and D, was not inspired by mythology. Since the very early '70s, the gelatinous cube, this ten by ten gooey menace, has been synonymous with Dungeons and Dragons, and is one of the most iconic and recognizable monsters in the game. Beware the dungeons, especially those that are particularly clean, for this could be a very strong indication that a gelatinous cube calls these subterranean caverns home. The gelatinous cube can be found on page 242 of the 5th edition Monster Manual. It's found under oozes. This is what we get. The gelatinous cube, otherwise known as ethcoid, has no alignment. It is an armor class 6, 84 hit points, 8d10 plus 40, a speed of 15 feet, immunities to being blinded, charmed, deafened, exhaustion, frightened, and being prone. They have a blind sight up to 60 feet and are blind beyond this radius. A passive perception of 8. Here's what the monster manual says. The cube takes its enti- takes up its entire space. The creatures can enter the space but a creature that does so is subject to the cube's engulf and has disadvantage on saving throw. Creatures inside the cube can be seen but have total cover. A creature within five feet of the cube can take an action to pull a creature or object out of the cube. Doing so requires a successful DC-12 strength check. And the creature making the attempt takes 10, or 3d6, acid damage. The cube can hold only one large creature or up to four medium or smaller creatures inside at a time. Oozes are transparent. Even when the cube is in plain sight, it takes a successful DC 15 wisdom perception check to spot the cube that is neither moved or attacked. The creature that tries to enter the cube space while unaware of the cube is surprised by the cube. So this could very easily spell disaster for a party of halflings, right? I mean, one gelatinous cube could eat the whole bunch Suck of them. them. right up. Yep. And, you know, especially if you, they see something shiny on the other side of the transparent <laughs> cube. Look, I think it's treasure. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, the, it's the kender. It's the- that is the harbinger of doom for the rest of the halfling party. Those damn kender. Yep. <laughs> So what can an Athcoid do? They have some. They have some actions. Um, so they have a pseudopod, right? So this is a, uh, a melee weapon attack that has uh, plus four to hit. It's got a five foot reach, and uh, can hit one creature. Uh, it does ten or three d six acid damage. Engulf. Uh, well, the cube moves up to its speed, which isn't very fast at all. While doing so, it can enter large or smaller creature spaces. Whenever the cube enters a creature's space, the creature must make a DC 12 dexterity saving throw. Not too bad, right? Yeah, not, uh, makeable. It's manageable. It's makeable. On a successful save, the creature can choose to be pushed five feet back or to the side of the cube. A creature that chooses not to be pushed suffers the consequences of a failed saving throw. On a failed save, the cube enters the creature's space 
and the creature takes 10 or 3d6 acid damage and is, is engulfed. Uh, being knocked away seems to be your best option. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could be knocked five feet away or, or you could be eaten. You could essentially be the uh, fruit cocktail in, uh, in, in, in the jello. Yay, that's, that's, I'm the floating chunk of pineapple. Yeah, that, Yay. that was our dessert during the Carter administration, you know. <laughs> Money was tight. Money was tight. All the way yep. back then. A can of generic fruit cocktail stuck in your jello. Yes. <laughs> it was good though. It was still good. I hate jello. You hate jello? I hate jello. It's good for your hair and nails. I I, I this is coming from I, one bald man to another, right? See <laughs> why he doesn't have hair. He hates jello. Yes. I would rather just chew on the horse the horse hoof. I just, yeah, I just, it's something, it's really? a texture. I do not like jello. I love the sound it makes when you plunge a spoon into it. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I, in the interest of maintaining our only explicit. Yeah, rating, we should probably I just will move not on, continue yeah. any conversation on this particular topic. Yeah, let's move on to the next, <laughs> next part. The engulfed creature can't breathe. It's restrained and takes 21 or 66 acid damage at the start of each of the cube's turns. When the cube moves, the engulfed creature moves with it. An engulfed creature can take or try to escape by taking an action and make a DC 12 strength check. On a success, the creature escapes and enters a space of its choice. That's it. That's all we get about this fascinating, iconic creature that has been with the game since the very beginning. Don't worry, though. We got you. Yeah, they uh there's so much lore. I mean, we go through this every time we we um you know, we look into we look into a a particular monster or something from the monster manual. Especially them has been around for a while and has made reoccurring appearances. Yeah, having having had a uh it's got history. A, yeah, it's good and, history. and we've had a history yeah. with it since the very beginning of D&D. I right. mean, us personally, right? Because we've been playing since the very early, early, early uh, yes. uh, editions of D anD D, and you know, it's uh, it seems a shame to not get into all of this cool stuff about about the gelatinous cube. And I hear a lot of people talk about how lame it is, and uh, I don't know. You just don't know the you just don't know the history behind okay, it. Okay, if it's lame because it's a fifteen foot moving cube and everyone just walks away from it. Yeah, I guess you could just like this, get out of the way. This oh, yeah. is this isn't can be used as an ambush predator. Oh, well, it is an ambush predator. Yeah, right. So use it accordingly. Yeah, and we'll get to that whole point at the end of the yeah. at the end of the the episode here because you know we're going to talk about how we would use it. Right. Oh, I, I've I've had some fun with these critters. We won't talk about that right now. Giggity. So <laughs> are we going to talk about we're going to talk about some movement? We're going to talk about movement. how this thing moves, right? Yes. Yes. Um, Athcoids appear as solid cubes, but when moving around objects, they, they kind of flow like water. So momentarily, while moving over or around objects, they may lose that, that cuboid shape that they have. But once past their obstacle, they, they immediately return to that shape. So they're, that's kind of like their go-to shape is that, that, that big cube, yep. like a giant D6. Of um, death. Of death. Um, so these things can flow through openings as small as a foot across, which when you think about it is pretty neat because they're like a 10 by 10. Yeah. 
uh, creatures. So they could ooze right through these small spaces. They temporarily lose their shape, of course, and then they reform into that, that familiar cuboid shape once they get to the other side. So an ascoid can easily move underwater, but it's uh, paralyzing poison is is highly diluted. That makes sense because so, it's contact. Yeah, so any any saving throw against the effect is made with uh, a plus six bonus. But for the sake of fifth edition, it's our recommendation that such saving throws be made with advantage. Th- that makes more sense with with fifth edition because everything's disadvantage, yeah. advantage instead of pluses and minuses. Yeah, you know, it, it definitely works. And in the uh, previous editions, that would you get that bonus to um, to your saves or to your attacks or whatever. But that would be that would be our recommendation is to use okay, the as far as as far as movement. I'm I'm going to go back a little bit. Do you remember the original Blob movie? Yes. Yeah. In black and white. Yeah. Yep. With okay. um, who was it? Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. That was yes. uh, that was the fifties, right? Yes, it was. Okay. When it was in the movie theater and it was coming out of the holes, yeah, in the back of the movie theater, and no one knew it. It just the film was stopped, and they're all sitting there waiting, and it was coming through the ooze. Okay. And you could see it in the back of the movie yes. screen too. Yeah, that one scene terrified me. Yeah, I don't know why. To this day, it still like runs chills through my spine. And reading this, that immediately came to mind. Yeah, and. You know that blob that that blob movie scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. You know, and I I want to say, and I, I and of course I don't know this for a fact, but I want I want to say that maybe a lot of these old horror movies, like the Blob, yeah. was very inspiring to the people that created the Dungeons and Dragons. It could back have been, in that in that it could time have been period. a source, even if it wasn't consciously, maybe subconsciously. Yeah. But I mean, just reading that that image immediately came to mind and I the hairs on my arm literally stood up you know because that scene is when I was a kid just it's something about that one scene just it it just terrified me and you know and it just came back all of a sudden you move through these one foot yeah. squares and I'm like uh. <laughs> yeah, and and really, I but, mean, but I if you play this correctly, your yes. table should have that same sensation. And and I think, I think, and I don't know how you feel about this, Bill, or or you, Lou, but those we talked. I talked a little bit about this when we did Werewolves back in October. Yes, I I think those old movies, yeah, are yeah. are great research tools for for new dungeon masters, even even. Folks that have been doing it forever and a day, like just us. to recharge the batteries. Yeah, watch those movies Go, and see how that suspense watch is all built. All the Alfred Hitchcock, oh, yes, the, oh, man, get, the man knew suspense like crazy. You get a lot of the, just a little of the clips right on YouTube now. Yeah, you yeah, don't even have yeah. to watch the whole movie. Just yeah, just go watch, back and, yep, and Steve watch. McQueen the Blob. You know. Steve, yeah, yeah, check it out. That's well, uh, that's yeah, well these, worth these it. These old movies, you know, really Day of the Triffids. Knew, yeah, they knew how to build the suspense. They knew how to build the drama. They and then, did, yeah. And then you know, you you, get, you don't reveal the monster until two thirds. Well, they didn't have the, the technology we do today, where right. you could do all sorts of amazing stuff with computer graphics. Well, so well, they now had it, to now compensate. it's all flash, you know, and computer graphic. Back then, they had to write a story. Yep. And this, as game masters, this is what you're supposed to be doing. You should be writing a story, right? You we don't have. The, the CGI on your table. And if you do, God bless you. Give me some. But yeah. in the meantime, 
you need to write a story, and this is how you write it. And and go back to the masters back then. Like I said, I'm you know I'm like 104 years old, and and at in least a, in a day. And as you're reading the movement. I, I, the hairs on my arm literally stood up because that moment came back to me real, real yeah, quick. That's a good movie to and watch. That if was, you know, run so a if you can get cube. that, if you can get even a hint of that at your table, yeah. you've done or something. Any right. ooze for I was that. Say, even even ooze. The, the remake of the the Blob wasn't that bad. Yeah, that wasn't it, that. It bad. wasn't no. that bad. But it would still give you a, um, watch them both. Yeah, yep. that's what I was about to say. Yes, you know, you'll get a lot of inspiration. Yep. All right, so let's move on to Ethcoid Attack. Yes. All right, so the athcoid cannot feed on metal, stone. They simply cannot digest these. Rather, they feed on plants and animals of all varieties. When a creature comes in contact with an athcoid, they will be paralyzed by the gummy secretion oozed from the gelatinous body of these creatures. This gummy secretion has an anesthetic-like effect when it comes in contact with the skin of a living creature. Once paralyzed, the creature will be absorbed into the body of the cube and will slowly be digested. Once you're immobilized and in the body of the cube, the unfortunate victim will slowly be digested. The aphcoid produces and holds its digestive juices in an elastic bubble-like structure that moves freely within the body of the creature. When a prey item is engulfed by the cube, and potentially more of these bubble-like structures are moved into contact with the prey, these fluids cannot digest metal or stone but will devour flesh and bone. Any items that the creature cannot digest will be expelled through its gelatinous body. Yuck. So that's, uh, yeah, so they're, um, they're pooping swords and the whatnot. <laughs> yeah, shields and... Um, that, yeah, this is the only creature that could pass a sword with no problem at all. Yeah, I was going to say, geez, that, <laughs> that sounds uncomfortable. If that's a kite shield? Really? <laughs> Aside from a dragon, I think this is the only other thing that yeah. can pass a kite shield with no problem at all. Ouch. Uh, yeah, that's uh you might see it need to see a doctor after that. <laughs> so the creature is digested and broken down into its most basic of elements, the nutrients that the uh, athcoid needs for survival. Now there's a rumor that the researcher Haptooth had developed an antidote against the athcoid's paralyzing poison. It is said to remove the paralysis within one to four rounds after being ingested by the user. While the potion has been known to be effective against the paralysis of the cubes, it is not effective against any other form of paralysis from other creatures, so it wouldn't work on any other monster that has the paralysis effect. It should be noted that this antidote is not of magical nature. For most, the first question that pops into one's mind is, how is it possible that an intelligent creature could be caught up in such a slow-moving, mindless creature? Uh, well, and it's a good question, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. really, it is. Delving into D&D's past, we learn that the Althcoid is virtually invisible and that it takes an exceptional perception check to notice the creature. All right, that's reason number one, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, this is uh, not true invisibility, but rather the creature is very difficult to see. It's almost like, you know, a sliding glass door being so thoroughly clean that you accidentally walk into it. You know, <laughs> not, yeah, not realizing it's the door. Right, yeah. right, right. Or, yeah. you know, the bird bounces off it, you know, <laughs> because it flies right into it. So the athcoid is so clear in its appearance that one may very easily blunder into it, yeah, especially in a dark dungeon or cavern. 
unless it's recently at a meal uh, that was carrying or wearing metal of some sort. Because, it's, you know, naturally the metal wouldn't be digested right. and one would merely see floating bits of metal suspended in, in, <laughs> in the corridor. Um, now, which, which two several races go, ooh, look, floating shiny oh, things. Oh, shiny things. And there <laughs> I'm going to go. go grab it. <laughs> yeah. and, and again, the Kender leads the party of halflings into the maw of the uh, the, the gelatinous cube. I And, and I think when you... When you look at this, right, you 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 look at the description of what we laid out for how this this, this thing digests things. It's it's horrific, right? So right. you paint the picture, right? So here's this 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 uh, unfortunate party member that gets, um, you know, it's 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 got this anesthetic effect, and now it's paralyzed. So it's floating in this in this gelatinous goo probably with a look of horror on its face yeah this this sheer look of terror on its face while the rest of the party watches it slowly be digested right so all the flesh starts coming away from the bone first first it's the leather armor starts digesting as the face slowly starts turning red yeah you know that that leather armor which has already been pre-processed to a point will probably disintegrate much quicker than the flesh which has a certain amount of resistance to it Yep. So that the, the buckles start falling away and start slowly settling down low. The swords and everything fall away. The leather falls away, and then you see the skin slowly start to bubble up. Yeah, there's this startled look on on the person's yep. face, and the, and the you eyes know? get slowly wider and wider. wider. Now, is it because they're they're experiencing pain, or because their eyelids are slowly dissolving? Right. Or they know what's happening. A little of but both, they, probably. Yeah, they're being, they're being dissolved alive. So this yeah. is where, like, the art of dungeon mastery really, like, comes in. Where it's theater of the mind, That's people. right. It's the difference between kind of a goofy, silly monster cleaning yep. the dungeons and something truly terrifying. Yes. Especially if you're... You're that PC that's stuck inside this thing, <laughs> right? Yeah, and you you hear the description, and there's nothing you can do unless someone is At willing all. to reach take, in and try reach to in go. and take that sixty six. I believe it was sixty six. Reach in, grab you, and yank you out. Yep. Hoping that they don't become paralyzed themselves, yep. and then slowly drawn in as well. So what do you do? So now, when you, I mean, when you put it that way, Bill, right? It's not such a goofy, silly creature. No, it's it's something that's pretty, pretty frightening, pretty pretty terrifying. If if it is described correctly, and you paint the picture, it should be as terrifying terrifying as it really is. Right, and you said painting the picture. Now, isn't that really what a DM does? Right, aren't we the Bob Ross, so we, to speak, we, yes, of Dungeons yes. and Dragons? Let's put a happy little DM. gelatinous cube in the in, yeah. in the corner over here, and let's make a little couple of fluffy clouds right above it. Yeah, you you paint. <laughs> Yes. You paint the picture, and that's and that's all the difference between a a situation with a gelatinous cube where it's a beer and pretzels game, yep, or a very serious game is how you paint that picture, and that's that's really important. Now both both scenarios are fine. Yeah, if you're doing the beer and pretzels, go for it. Okay, you ran bloop. Okay, you ran into it. You stuck to it. <laughs> yep. Slowly being drawn. All right, I'm gonna yank him out. Okay, well, you know. D- all right. All right, I rolled my DC twelve. All right, you yanked him out. He's a little red in the face. Looks like he's got a sunburn yep. on one side, half of his body. Ha 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 ha! ha. Or you're you starting go. to see bone. Yeah, and yeah. eyes are being devoured. Right. <laughs> so by the time you get your companion out, he's got no eyes. Yeah. Right. Um, no nose. No lips. A hideous grin because the lips are gone. I mean, this is all like, 
you know, when you look at the creature this way, it's it's not so silly or ridiculous. Exactly. I could see this being used as a, a very devious trap. Yeah. Oh, um, we'll get to that. Yeah. I'll tell you how I used mine. Okay, well, I won't say how, because I wonder if it's what I'm thinking in the back of my, oh, my mind. I've used it two specific ways, and uh, I've, I've had a lot of fun with it. Well, when you talk about that, then I'll fill my, what I was just thinking. Well, let, let's go about the psychology of an athcoid. Why not? Yeah, it has no thought. <laughs> I tell you what, before we break into this, I'm looking at this, and it's not very long, but there's a lot of big words here. And I need another drink. Let's take a break. Okay, so I have my drink refilled. Um, and let's delve once again back into the psychology of the athcoid. I feel like I should have a pipe while we're talking about this. Just so happens I have several. I got a cigar pipes. outside. Smoking's bad for you. And the difference between a cigar and a pipe is? The shape. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> Let's talk psychology. Let's say that. So, as I had already mentioned, the Apcoid has no thought. Um, very close to most of us at this particular moment. It knows neither good nor evil, and any response it has is a result of stimuli or stimuli only. Much uh, like a teenage boy. Much like a teenage boy, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Every situation is dealt with in the same fashion. The creature will move until they encounter a cold surface or an object, and then they will stop. The creature will probe around the object, over, under it, seeking a path forward to continue upon. All these creatures are attracted by vibrations and warmth. They have no sense of smell, taste, or sight. So they have none of the organs necessary for these such things. And if they did, they have long since dissolved them. So, Reproduction. This is the place where we always seem to go. Yeah, the birds and the bees of the D&D birds monsters. The, the birds and the bees of D&D monsters. It's Dirty like, old men. It, it's like giggity 5.0. <laughs> so on the, on the rare occasion that uh, two gelatinous cubes meet, they may merge to become one athcoid. The merged creature is twice the size of the two original creatures. So complete is the merger that they appear to be one large organism. Stable in the merger. This double-sized cube attacks as an eight-hit-dice monster with a total number of hit points equal to the total of the two merged cubes. The combination of both the cubes yields only a creature of 10 by 10 by 20. That's feet, of course. <laughs> with the longest portion of the creature being pointed in its direction of travel. So this makes it look less like a cube and... Uh, more like a rectangular uh, worm of sorts. The double-sized cube is like any other average cube in all other aspects. If a third cube is encountered, then division will occur. If not, division usually occurs within two to eight days of the two cubes coming together. It's like they divorce themselves after two to eight days. I find it um, somewhat ironic that you uh, went over this particular yeah, there's an irony in that. <laughs> yeah. um, Eventually, I'll get it right. I ha we have all hopes for you. We have yeah, all me hopes too. for you. I'm too old to do this. <laughs> uh, this coming together of two cubes is, in a way, the creation of another cube, but really it's not reproduction. Nor is this mating for the athcoid. 
is without it, they're without gender. Um, as expressed before, the mega cube will eventually divide into two smaller components, and each will go on its merry way. The exact nature of such a merger still escapes those who study these creatures because no one's going to get close enough to f- figure out what the hell they're doing. Um, yeah, just it starts off as two, goes to one, then to two of transparent things that you, yeah. So because they're transparent, do you ever really see it? So then how do you know? Someone's got close enough to watch but Some not. brave soul. But if yeah. it's transparent, how can you see it? Sorry. Wild card Leave question. it to the That's wild good, card yeah. to figure out question. how to be a voyeuristic <laughs> gelatinous I guess you, I guess you got to poke reaper. it and look for the ripples, right? <laughs> yeah, you know? it's it. Like yeah. Poke. Uh, I'll take that answer. Yeah. Oh, there it is. See? <laughs> got to give it a little flick and watch the... Wear gloves. <laughs> throw. Definitely wear gloves. <laughs> wear gloves or throw things at it. I don't know what yep. to tell you. The athcoid re- reproduces quite simply. Once they've grown to a sufficient size, the larger cube will split into two smaller cubes of approximately the same size. Each cube will then grow to a stage of full adulthood. The division usually occurs after a period of approximately six years. Each of the new cubes, prior to reaching maturity, has half the number of hit points of the adult version. The size is relatively close to the size of an adult cube. These infant cubes, if you will, are 8 by 8 by 8 inside, in size. The infant athcoids will reach full maturity in approximately three months. The lifespan of an athcoid is indefinite. They are essentially an immortal organism. They never die of natural causes. A cube will only meet its end if it is killed the victim of disaster, or if it starves to death. So that's interesting. You know, I wonder how old the oldest gelatinous cube is. And if it starves, if it's starving, does it just simply just kind of get smaller? Yeah, or if it's... It just, just like diminish in size to a point where it just kind of dries up into this block of whatever? Yeah, is it a skinny cube that looks like a line? What happens if you put salt on it? Then it, it's bad if you have high blood pressure, <laughs> right? If you're in a low sodium diet, that's not something that you want. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not likely to try it. So I was sorry. just thinking, you know, when you talk about it shrivels up, it's like that's like a slug. That's yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Uh, but but if it but if you chuck it into like a fountain, does it like rehydrate? Okay, I'm not even gonna go that way. Yeah, it's like those those little spongy things <laughs> yeah, that the, you get yeah. at the dollar store. Yeah. You you put in a glass of water and it, yeah, it, it the size gets, of a pea, and all of a sudden it becomes like a dinosaur yeah. or something like that. I don't know. It's, it's something to think about. It's important to stay hydrated. Well, if anybody out there know, they can give us um, they could leave us a comment yeah. on our have Facebook. You Thank you have you dehydrated a gelatinous cube? Yeah. If you have, please contact us. Because then could you grind it into powder in a mortar and pestle and then have basically an instant gelatinous cube, right? So you just add water. You sprinkle your your powder and you uh, you you add like a, a wine skin of water and boom, you got, you got a, yourself a you gelatinous got, cube. Got a little three foot by three foot gelatinous cube. Like, you know. It's like sea monkeys almost. <laughs> almost like sea monkeys, yeah. <laughs> 
It'd be great if the authorities are chasing you and you happen to be like a burglar or the whatnot. You could just toss out your your instant gelatinous cube. It'd be fun in a rainstorm. Can you imagine? I got I got forty two bags of instant gelatinous cubes. I'm just gonna like dump them out in a rainstorm and watch watch the chaos and, unfold. And remember never to come to this yeah. time, this <laughs> town again. Oh, the streets are gonna be clean. It's gonna wow. be a lot less people though. Well, well, we've we've gone over reproduction, um, and now we're uh, chucking instant gelatinous cube around the town. So let's talk about the ooze family. Why not? Yeah, I mean the the athcoid is a member of the ooze family, and this includes various varieties of puddings, oozes, and gelatinous cubes. I'm starting to get hungry. I think I think it built <laughs> too. Every time every time I read the pudding entry, I think it just Bill Cosby as being the wizard <laughs> that created it. Yeah. You see, <laughs> did you like this cube? My pudding. Yeah, we're not gonna. Uh, yeah, no, let's no, no, move no, on no, before yeah, someone yeah, yep, someone brings up the inevitable, inappropriate <laughs> yes. joke and really. That would be me. Yes. All right. All these creatures are, share common traits that they are attracted to warm and vibration and dwell in dark, cavernous places, either clinging to the ceilings, lurking on the floors. Hiding in shadows, awaiting the next meal. Or cruising down the corridor, tidying up the place as it goes. That's why we got one for the dojo. I mean, this place is good. It's going to pick up all that protein powder from the superheroes. Really? $9.99 a month. Listen, if you stay up late enough at night because you drank too much coffee after dinner time, you too can buy a gelatinous cube and sea monkeys and a gremlin. Okay. Don't feed them after midnight. How many months? 47. I'm glad you got that, Bill. Yes, 47. But Bill. Yeah. <laughs> Please continue. The origins of uh, such creatures are not certain, though many believe that the athcoid itself and perhaps some of its cousins were the creation of a wizard. Some, even the most inexperienced wizards, can easily summon an ooze or pudding either on purpose or as the result of a failed spell. So these uh, creatures tend to dislike direct sunlight, which is why you will often find them underground or in some other dark area. It is suspected that sunlight will dry up these creatures, eventually killing them. Others will tell you that they are simply more effective as predators in the shadows where it is harder to see them. That's probably the case as well. Mm -hmm. Whatever the case, uh, keep your eyes open, for they are relatively easy to see and thus easy to avoid. There you go. So... How would we use an athcoid in a game? Well, you know, it's funny that you bring up the blob. Yeah. Because I was thinking it would be awesome to base an entire adventure off a a gelatinous cube or a series of, of gelatinous cubes um, escaping from a wizard's laboratory. Like, I, you know, we're talking about drying them up right so they dry up in sunlight you take yep. them you throw them in a big mortar and pestle because all their gooiness you know is is no longer like really a concern but but of course you want to wear rubber gloves you know personal protective equipment ppe when PPE handling is always important when, when you're dealing with gelatinous, gelatinous cubes yep you know you grind them up and you have a big old like bag of them right and uh 
you uh, don't want to snort that, your <laughs> nose will run for years. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you, you'll have problems. But a thief gets into a wizard's laboratory. You know, he's uh, trying to, you know, trying to uh, pilfer some things. Maybe it's not an obvious wizard's laboratory, right? He just breaks into this, this you know, kind of wealthy looking house in 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 the suburbs or in a wealthier wealthier neighborhood, and he finds like a bag of 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 powder or something. He's like, oh, wizard type of a, stuff. a little note on it. Do not get wet. Yeah. And of course, what's the first thing he's going to do? He's going to get it wet, damn or, straight. Or maybe, or maybe like the alarms sound, and you know, some of the uh, uh, constabulary, or even maybe some retainers that the wizard has uh, guarding its his manor house or her manor house give chase and gives chase in like a rainstorm, and now, um, you know, <laughs> a gelatinous cube uh, ends up devouring the thief. But the thief drops the bag, and now you have an a a, a gelatinous cube problem of epidemic proportions. Because <laughs> it gets going, sucked down the sewer. <laughs> yeah, running through the city streets, devouring um, uh, innocents, or maybe they combine into one massive like kaiju cube, and they start just like <laughs> kaiju cube. I yeah, like they that. start eating that's things, good. and that, yep. now uh, your party is charged with either escaping the city that's being slowly devoured by the cube or the cubelings, or destroying the cube to save uh, save the city. That that could be interesting because now the wizard's like, oh shit. Packing up his stuff, you know, he's going to a summer house somewhere. What are you doing? Um, I'm expanding my um, my uh, my circle here so I can move my entire tower somewhere else because <laughs> this town is trash. Yeah, that would be fun because I think having it be like the janitor of the the dungeon is just pedestrian. It yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's what it's. Well, I want I don't want to say that's what it's designed to do, but that's what it's been relegated to do. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're absolutely correct. And, and I think that is a massive disservice. Yeah, you can cool it up quite a bit, you yeah. know. Um I've used mine two ways, and I will the first one um I will not tell because that's the one Lou just divulged to me that how he would use it, but I'll tell you how I used it. I used it in a forest. One of those dark dank, old, murky forest with a canopy so thick that it always seems nighttime. Okay. And I put it inside a cottage. A 10-foot by 10-foot cottage. So it took up the whole cottage. Took up the whole cottage. And all it did was just sit there. Because you're in a murky forest, anyone coming down the path and looking down this little stoneway into the house where it happened to end up. How it got there is another matter. But everyone opened the front door and like, oh, wow. And they go to walk in. Gruesome. And there's your first party member being sucked in. And they're like, what the hell? He's just standing there kind of doing nothing. Because you can't see this shock on his face because it's facing the other direction. That's right, yeah. And it's like, well, he, I swear he's like floating in air. He's slowly moving forward. And by the time they figure out what's going on, they reach forward. Oh, wait a minute. Now you got another one. So, yeah. So, yeah, as a and player. That, that's how I used it. If I saw that, I'd be like, oh, time stop. Let me try to dispel that. You know, something where yeah. he's suspended. Right. I'm not thinking he's in something. Correct. And that's how I used mine. And I ended up killing 
Now, I did. The idea was not to kill the party, despite my draconian tendencies. Are you sure? All right, maybe a little. Killed one party member, horribly maimed a second, injured a third before the only two party members got out. The other two, and like you said, one whole face. There was bone. You know, the face bone exposed, arms bone exposed, uh, horribly mutated and mutilated. And that particular character was, you know, off the table for a while while it healed. Um, But, yeah, I I completely disintegrated one. And I I killed one and horribly maimed another and injured a third before they figured out what was going on. And that's how I used the gelatinous cube. Wasn't underground. They weren't expecting it. Here's the... And and that's brilliant, by the way. That is brilliant. (laughs) To put a gelatinous cube in a forest because, right, they're not going to suspect. It was the last thing they thought. Here's the big question, though, Bill. Yes? You mentioned that Lou mentioned how he would use a gelatinous cube? Yes. How would you mention? Lou, uh, well, we were talking, and this is the second way I've used one, and Lou happened to stumble upon it. Well, I stumbled upon it. Lou would use it the same way. I would use it the same way. I would use it as a trap in a wizard's uh, tower. I would have the wizard dig a 15-foot by 10-foot by 10-foot hole, have a gelatinous cube sitting in there because it can't get out because it's got you can't climb vertically. At least I don't think it can. Actually, yeah, they can. Well, not if it's a smooth wall. Uh, it, like, it, I'll put it in a glass-lined wall. There you go. And put a illusion of the floor over the top of it. Devious. This way. But brilliant. It would. Yes. This way, if somebody falls in, they just can't reach for the top because there's five extra feet before they hit the thing. So they're going to be submerged in it. Um, yes, their compatriots, or, you know, compatriots can help them, but, you know, time is of the essence now. I got to – I don't know what you think, Bill, but – I think Lou's, uh, Lou's ready to snatch the pebble from our hands and walk the rice paper path. He is getting close. I'm yeah. getting close, I think. We will have we will have to set in another another room in the dojo. Yeah, it is. He's getting close. It is said a dungeon master can walk through walls. Listen for, cannot be heard. Looked for, cannot be seen. I am almost there. The wild card comes out sometimes. Because <laughs> <laughs> as, as we were talking about this, and you were talking about grinding it up into powder, I was thinking, what would Gravin do? Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, he would light it on fire. No, he, I thought he would put them in, inside little glass capsules, put them inside of a, a grenade, and throw it off somewhere. The glass capsules would protect the... the well, what if you put the, the gelatinous cube powder in the glass vial, yeah. put that in a water skin, put a small charge on that. That's like his football that he used, so that's yes. exactly what he would do. Yep. In the rain. <laughs> in the <laughs> just in case. Well this so when it, if he throws it, you know, it's gonna still go off because the, the the wick goes inside the, the thing. The glass capsule will break, but the gelatinous whatever's left, you know, dehydrated will not be harmed from the fire from the explosion. But when the glass breaks, the rain hits the water. I mean, hits the capsule. Poof, instant gelatinous cube. Or you throw it in a lake. Or, oh, yeah, just chuck it in the lake. And you have a massive kaiju <laughs> gelatinous cube. 
You want that, don't he wants, you? He wants the kaiju Dude, gelatin cube. That's and that's that is exactly how Bob-Zilla. I would I would combat the Tarasque. If the Tarasque was awoken and it's wreaking havoc upon whatever whatever D and D world you're in. Set forth the gelatinous Bring kaiju. me the gelatinous kaiju and you just pour it into the biggest lake you could find and then the two of them would have this big kaiju showdown between the Tarasque and the Kaiju gelatinous cube. And the Tarasque would be like enveloped in the gelatinous cube because it would just kind of like lumber along like Jason Voorhees <laughs> in a Friday the 13th movie and eventually catch up like the Tarasque would trip on something. Yep. Be like, oh, no. <laughs> Done. It'd be, it'd be the, uh, the fruit cocktail floating around in the giant Kaiju. But then you would be like, all right, now what do we do now, with the gelatinous cube? What do we do with the gelatinous cube? We gotta wait for it to eat the tarasque, and then we gotta we gotta get as much salt as we can, <laughs> sprinkle it on it to dry it out. Yep. Or, uh, or or wait for a really really sunny day. Yeah, wait for summer. <laughs> Only release your kaiju gelatinous cube in, in the July, spring. Yeah. In the spring, so. <laughs> It'll only wreak havoc on a quarter of the continent before summer rolls around. But that's that's definitely how I would get rid of a Tarasque. I mean, all you people like throwing arrows and the whatnot at it. <laughs> you need a kaiju gelatinous cube to take care of it. There you go. We solved your problem. Yep. Thank you. Yep. This is just one more customer service from the DMD. Yes. And I better not see a Godzilla versus gelatinous cube movie out there because <laughs> you're getting sued. It's our idea. <laughs> And that's Athoids. I almost said Altoids. <laughs> D&D's Gelatinous Cube. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day.